When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, all right, all right. Here we are, the H2P podcast. Gary Morgan with you. And my wonderful co-host, super tired from his trip back to Florida. Uh, hopefully that's the last one for a minute there for Corey Christen. How are you doing, brother? Well, it's not the last road trip. We're going to Greensboro. We're going to postseason tournament, wherever that may be. You know, whether it's the NCAA tournament or dare I say, at this point... After what happened this past week, Gary, could be the NIT. We don't know yet. Pitt is still on the bubble. They played themselves back onto it, of course, with losses to Notre Dame and Miami. So plenty to get into as we are getting set and we are on the road to Greensboro. We should probably start right there because, you know, weeks ago, you and I were both really worried about this Notre Dame game because of the Mike Bray situation. And we were worried about the Miami game because, well, they're Miami and they have they've been pretty good. I will say that um, Pitt is a good matchup for them. I mean, that, it's a tight game no matter what. They really, really seem to have Wong's number and, and nobody else can say that. So I I'm, I'm appreciate the effort and everything. It just wasn't enough. Any thoughts on, on the game besides secondhand? second chance points not coming yeah the rebounding the second chance points were the overarching story i i think the important thing that i took away from the miami game was number one Pitt is not a deep team and they competed with a deep miami team i know silver linings and moral victories are really not fun to throw out there but if there are a couple to take away from that game, it's that Jordan Miller could be the ACC player of the year. He's certainly in the running for it. You mentioned Isaiah Wong, the way he's able to score. Miami is an elite scoring team in the country, not just in the ACC. And the fact that Pitt held them to under 80, number one. Number two, the fact that really in the second half, they clamped down defensively. That was an impressive adjustment carrying over, but... As we all saw, the big thing is that Miami's just deeper. Miami's just a little more talented when it comes to, you know, let's say the seventh, eighth, and nine men on that roster. Whereas with Pitt, Federico gets in foul trouble. Guillermo gets in foul trouble. You got to play Jorge. You know, you got to play smaller lineups. And, and Miami likes to play smaller lineups too. But when they're just out physically you the entire game and they're beating you down and they're wearing you down and they're running you down. This is kind of what happens when you don't have a deep bench to go to. This is not really a flaw by design. And and there's only so much Jeff Capel and the players that are actually available can do. But the fact of the matter is Miami just had literally, you know, we say that team had too much for Pitt. 
they literally had too much for Pitt to handle. They, they just wore Pitt down and found a way to grind him out. Right. And when you have Greg Elliott, it's been two games back to back now where he's really just done nothing. Um, he seems to have missed just about everything that he had going with his, with his shot stroke. And mm-hmm. he's streaky like that anyway. He has had some cold snaps during the season that he's gone into and bad timing for that. But this pit team is not one that's going to survive against top talent when somebody like Greg Elliott isn't dropping shots, you know? Um, The other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, what happened to Nate Santos? Like, we just don't see him anymore. Is he injured? Is he? We are meeting with Jeff Capel tomorrow, to my knowledge, as is the usual on Monday. And one of my questions will be, why is Nate Santos not playing? He's there. He's active. He's dressed. He's, he's all, he's everything. He's all there. But one reason or another, Jeff Capel is not playing him. So unless there's an injury that we don't know about quite yet, I don't really have an explanation for it. And they could have used the guy like him yesterday, not not for scoring and not for nothing, anything other than his length and his athleticism and just getting a body up and down the floor in transition. Right. That's what I was thinking. The speed would have helped a little bit. Um, the Graham brothers are interesting and they're they're kind of fun to put on the court together. But I don't know against Miami. That's what I want to be doing for big stretches. And I almost felt like Santos would have been a nice sub in there for Guillermo, who seemed to be struggling in particular against Miami. So I figured I would ask, you know, (laughs) you're the guy to ask brothers. No, it's a fair question. And to be honest, there's been, it's been on my mind too about why is Nate not playing? And, I just really haven't had the opportunity to ask about it, you know, to get it on the record and for someone to definitively say whether, you know, that's Jeff Capel or an assistant to say Nate is blank or here's what we think about Nate. But like I said, um, to our knowledge, we're going to be meeting with Jeff Capel Monday, uh, tomorrow as we record this. So that'll be one of the things I bring up to him, you know, because Pitt, quite frankly, you know, you see this with, with March Madness teams. You see this in postseason play every year in college basketball, the teams with the benches go far. They just yeah. do. And Pitt really doesn't have much of it right now outside of Nike Sabandi who credit to him, ACC six man of the year. He'd have my vote, but behind that, not really much. Well, let's talk about that because we got a couple minutes left here before we take a break. And when we come back, we're going to go heavy and hard on the ACC tournament, I think. Is there a chance that Jeff Capel thinks about maybe starting Nike Sabandi instead of Greg Elliott when they actually hit the court this week? Here's why I would argue Jeff Capel should not do that. The way that Pitt's offense functions with Nike on the floor versus with Greg on the floor. And if you look at the minute distribution, obviously Nike played way more than Greg did against Miami. Those two players also fulfill different roles. I don't think it's a one-to-one direct swap. If you get what I'm getting at, I do. Nike obviously can create more offense for himself than Greg does. Greg is obviously more of a, spot three-point shooter than Nike is. And those are great roles to have. Those are great role players to have. But the issue that I would have with that is if you're going to put Nike Sabandi in the starting lineup over Greg Elliott, then you have to tweak the minutes of everybody else around Greg Elliott 
to factor in somebody to facilitate the ball to him when he has to come in for Nike. And while let's say JB and Nelly and Blake already have, let's say it's six to eight minutes on them to start the game. How do you work that rotation around? Now I will say if Pitt was deeper and they had a Will Jeffries to play around a Dior Johnson to play around. And by the way, that's another thing I'm wondering out loud. Maybe conspiracy theory, maybe tinfoil hat. Will Dior be activated? That's the thing I'd love to know as well. So we're going to check in on that. But if they had depth, if they had the, you know, 10 deep, they could confidently go in, which they don't. It's just what it is right now. Then maybe it would be a little easier to put Greg on the bench and then start Nike. But if you look at the minute distribution, Nike's playing more than Greg is anyway. So, you know, it's just a matter of what they're comfortable with. It's just a matter of, you know, quite frankly, Greg has taken the backseat, so to speak, at a different point this season. You know, when Nike was hot, I think it was the Louisville game. He kind of lobbied for Nike to start that second half. And Nike didn't. Greg started that second half. Nike had, I think it was 21 points against Louisville at Louisville. Right. And um, Capel didn't do it. He started Greg in the second half. And I remember we asked Greg and Nike after that, uh, after that game about that. And it's just about team chemistry and flow and the way things operate within them. And again, when you don't have the bench to make up for a lot of, like we saw against Miami, just a lack of bodies really is the number one thing. That's when things can get to start to get a little hairy. All right, well, let's take a quick break and come back. Let's hit the ACC tournament, huh? Welcome back to the H2P podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Gary and Corey with you. It's time for some ACC bracket. And, um, you know, we wanted to be number one. I think that probably would have been the best path, getting the double buy and everything. Didn't work out. Um, Blake Hinson is probably still kicking himself about that last shot. And... The other players are probably still kicking themselves because someone didn't drive to the hoop and just tie it. But you know, you can you can you can worry about that stuff later. For right now, we know that Pitt is playing on Wednesday, March eighth, against the winner of Florida State and Georgia Tech. And uh, Corey, first of all, thoughts on that matchup? Who would you rather have? Who's the best path there? And then we'll talk about the overall situation. I would rather see Georgia Tech. And I don't know if that's just stemming from the fact that Pitt's 2-0 against Tech and 1-1 against Florida State. But I think what we saw with the first Florida State matchup, obviously Pitt was a little cold in that game. That was at the Pete. They didn't really hit their shots. Florida State kind of out physical there. Georgia Tech... They, they have good players, do not get me wrong, but I think they don't have as much that could match up with Pitt and could overtake Pitt. So that's why I would, if I'm a Pitt fan, would want to see Georgia Tech in that 
in that first game, that second round matchup on uh, Wednesday. But this road for Pitt to even get to Saturday is tough, really tough. So if Pitt, so Pitt plays the winner of Florida State Georgia Tech Tuesday on, or excuse me, Wednesday. And then if they win that, they go to Thursday to play Duke. And then if they win that, they go to Friday to play Miami, Syracuse, or Wake Forest, which, let's be frank, it's probably going to be Miami. And that's just to get to Saturday, the ACC championship game. And that that's looking at a big, broad scope here. And there's obviously now – added on NCAA tournament implications because of the week that Pitt has had because they couldn't secure it against Notre Dame. They lost to Miami. You know, this came after a really strong week against Georgia Tech and Syracuse. You know, those two last home games closed season out. So, look, Pitt should win that 5-12 or 5-13 matchup to start the ACC tournament, which many believe is the Last game, Pitt, like the last piece of the puzzle for Pitt to quote unquote qualify for the NCAA tournament. After all they've been through, after all they've done this year, after fighting off the bubble, back onto it, back off, back on, they still need to put this work in. And then once you get to Duke, if they get there, who knows? I mean, I find it hard to believe that everything will come down to beating a team you've already beaten. You know, um, to prove that you're worthy. I mean, to me, I, th- I think they're probably in one way or another. But it would it would sure be better to just go ahead and win one of these games in the ACC tournament and make it pretty much a lock, right? I mean, why leave it to fate? Well, that's the thing. They would remove the doubt if they just beat Florida State or Georgia Tech. They would remove the doubt from the committee. Because then the committee can confidently say, yeah, they had a bad week to close the season. Not that you can I, – I, I want to keep perspective on the Miami loss because it's not like Miami is Notre Dame where Notre Dame's in the basement of the league. They were really going anywhere. And the sole emotion of Mike Bray's final home game was like enough stakes to win that game for Notre Dame's team, which you wouldn't have known it, by the way, for being in that building. It was just another average home game. It felt like from the crowd standpoint, but Miami is not Notre Dame is the point. That is a loss Pitt can take and it's not going to kill them. And in fact, it didn't Pitt Pitt was zero in the net, the NCAA net rankings. They didn't drop any. They didn't move up any. They remained at 55 entering this recording. So now Pitt has to turn attention to another inferior opponent. That's what, Florida State and Georgia Tech are. They are inferior opponents. They have a combined 13 wins in the ACC. Pitt has 14 themselves. So, in fact, they are twice as good, if you want to use it by that standard, as those two teams. And if Pitt loses that game, we're talking first four out, last four in territory. That's just the way I see it. Will a committee put them in? Will they put them out? They're going to be right on that cusp, I think. Like, I think if they lose that game, and I'm not inferring they will because I think they win that game. But if they lose that game, then I think it's Dayton or nothing. It's Dayton or the NIT, basically. If they win that game, if they win that game, I think that solidifies them as 
like the quote unquote, like the quote unquote last four buys, which means they avoid Dayton in the play in game. The, f- the first four, if you get what I'm right. saying, I, I definitely get what you're saying. I'm on, I'm on pretty close to the same page. Now, when you look at the format of the ACC tournament, it does not benefit a team that is as shallow as Pitt as far as depth goes. We just talked about how difficult, you know, even a game against Miami can be for a team that only has, you know, seven, eight guys they really feel decent about. Now you're talking about to win this tournament, you got to go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. <laughs> Like against mm-hmm. some pretty tough competition, some of which is going to hammer you. Mm-hmm. You know, the ACC is not the Big East of old, but it's still a physical league. And it's going to be tough to run that kind of a gauntlet. Well, this is what I part of what I talked about last week was if you're pit, what teams do you want to see in order to get to Friday, the semifinal? I want to start. I wanted to start with getting to the semifinal before I talk about getting to the final. You wanted to see Syracuse or Wake Forest in that quarterfinal. Instead, you're going to see Duke. Should they get there, you wanted to see Virginia in the semifinal if you could. Instead, it would be Miami. So their their easiest path is not this one. I'll say that much. They they pretty much have just by looking at the seedings. Like, if there was a worst combined avenue for Pitt to have to get to the semifinal and to get to the final subsequently, this is the hardest path, I think. I think the Miami and the Duke matchups are horrendous for Pitt right now. Like, Miami, for, for reasons we saw Saturday, not just with rebounding, but also because of depth and because of length. Duke because of depth, because of length. Clemson, I would have said, because of depth, because of length. Like, I think of these top four seeds, Miami, Virginia, Clemson, and Duke, Virginia is the best matchup for Pitt because they're guard. They're heavy guards. That's what Pitt is. They're heavy guards. Miami worked out with Pitt as a matchup because Miami is a is a pretty poor defensive team. They're not a good defensive team. I shouldn't say they're poor. They're not a good defensive team. So yeah, it worked they're, out. More about, they're more about pushing the action than stopping it. Yeah, Correct. Correct. And Pitt is a team that can fight fire with fire. Right. But when you're a team like Duke and Virginia and you, you're short up defensively, those are the hard matchups. Yeah. So, I mean, the ACC tournament is going to be interesting, but I, if I'm being honest, I'm not expecting a long run. I think Wednesday will be a, a good win. And then uh, Duke is, is a tough matchup for Pitt, I think, even in a down year. But it could be interesting. We'll see. In my opinion, if I'm making picks right now as we sit here, I think Pitt wins Wednesday. They get to Thursday against Duke, and Duke beats them. That's, that's I think, the safest projection right now. I'm not saying Pitt's not going to compete with Duke. I think they can compete with Duke, but with the way they're playing right now, like we just talked about with Greg Elliott, the lack of depth, um, Obviously, they just got bodied on the glass by Miami. You got to deal with Filipowski and Young at Duke. I just don't like the matchup going into you know that quarterfinal on Thursday. So we'll see. But if I had to look into the crystal ball and say, 
does Pitt make a run or do they bow out? And where do they bow out? I think the most likely avenue is that they lose to Duke in the quarterfinal. And I still think that gets them into the NCAA tournament. All right. So let's, that's a good place to take a break because my next thing, what I think we should talk about is definitely the ACC tournament being over and waiting on what's next, which is the big tournament. And, and Corey, we're, we're not sure, but we need to get into it a little bit because uh, it's the last time that this version of this pit basketball team is going to be together one way or another. Let's take a quick break. Welcome back to the HTP podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. I accidentally almost said the name of my other show on DK Pittsburgh Sports because I'm staring at the same setup and that's what popped into my head. So, so Corey, here we are. We're, we're getting ready to, to stare down the ACC tournament. The big tournament is, is, is coming up too, and Pitt's still in pretty good position to get into it. We both think that they can get this this win on Wednesday, and we both think that gets them in. I don't know where that is. Eight, nine, ten seeds, somewhere in there. I don't think we have any clue what region they would be in or anything, so we can't begin forecasting out. But this is the last time we're going to see this version of this pit basketball team. Almost everybody that matters and has mattered to the success of this team this year is done after this. How does the program move forward? How does it look? Well, let's start with what we know as far as who's coming back. Actually, let me rephrase that. Let me start with who's leaving. Nike Sabandi, Jamarius Burton, Greg Elliott, Nellie Cummings are all in their final season. This is it for them. So that's four of your top six right there if you're Jeff Cable as of right now. If you want to include in that top six, in air quotes, uh, a Dior Johnson and a Will Jeffries, you can. And I want to clarify, by the way, what I said about Dior in the first segment. I'm not inferring that he is going to play or he is going to be activated for the ACC tournament. I'm just saying the option is on the table because if you really want to calculate looking at the NCAA tournament – going all the way backwards, a player needs to play 25% or less of the games to acquire a red shirt. So for Pitt, that would be eight games, essentially. So if you really want to take it far back from, let's say Pitt makes a run to the national championship game, you know, in the final four, that's six games in the NCAA tournament and two games in the ACC tournament. So technically speaking, Dior and Will Jeffries, if he's healthy enough, which he's not cleared for contact, so don't expect Will to even be a thought. But if they really wanted to or they really needed to, Dior could essentially be activated within the ACC tournament and still retain the red shirt this year. So that's why I put that on the radar. But Dior is going to be one of those people that are back on this team next year, as is Will, as is John Hughley. They're all getting red shirts this year, one reason or another. And then when you look at this group and like the story of how it's unfolded and just the tone that Jeff Cable uses to talk about his players and 
how they came together in such a short amount of time and believed in each other and, you know, fought through the one and three, you know, and came back and beat Northwestern. And that's the one that showed them they could do this. This has been a special ride. Nothing short of it. Nobody expected them to be here. Obviously, this is unprecedented in that way. And another thing is, this is a very likable team. That's what you could say about this this team. But there's going to be some internal motivation because this is the last, essentially, month that we're going to see this group together. And that's for better or worse, whether the ship goes down sinking or whether it stays afloat and stays strong into the NCAA tournament. But they're likable to us anyway. I, I, I have a feeling there's some other teams that don't appreciate playing yeah. them very much. Um, especially when, when Burton starts doing that hand clap thing, like right, right after he finally gets some impact, you know, he's about to punish mm-hmm. some people and I love it. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. I didn't even think about Johnson there. And the only comment or question I would have to follow up on that would be, with the day and age of the portal, do do coaches really get that worried or bent out of shape about burning a red shirt? Does the red shirt matter the way it used to? You're not looking at four or five year college athletes anymore, you know? I get what you mean. Here's what I'll say though, is this is I think just following logic. If Jeff Capel has it in his own belief that Dior Johnson's going to be a pit Panther for the next, however many years it is. The point is, is that Capel would have the belief, which he should, you recruit players to stay. You don't recruit players to play one or two years and then, and then for them to pack it up and go right. You, you recruit players for them to stay for four years, five years, however long it needs to be. So yes, I think it is important that, Pitt finds a way to retain Johnson's red shirt. I also think that given Pitt's lack of depth and how glaring it is, it should at least be on the table. Right. Because he's practicing. Capel has said it. Dior's practicing. He's not traveling. I'll, I'll make that clear. Dior has not been traveling to these games, these road games, but he is practicing with the team. He's at least doing something basketball wise. So I'm just putting it out in the universe that if they really wanted to or they really needed to, Dior could suit up, at least dress, right? He doesn't have to play. Dress is what we're asking and still retain that red shirt. But to answer your question definitively, yes, Capel would 100% want to retain that red shirt by any means. Yeah, that's just interesting to me. and. You know, not to completely jump away from from Pitt men's basketball, because we can circle back to it if you have something else you want to add, but we have to talk about women's basketball. Um, So Heather Lake has decided Lance White is out as the women's basketball coach, and hard to be surprised by that. Kind of really not a very good season out of them this year. Everything good that we saw out of the men's program, kind of the opposite of the women's this year. Yeah, Lance White, you know, good guy. You can say everything nice about him as a person, but fact of the matter is he just couldn't win as the basketball coach here. 42-99 and 99 in five seasons, never won more than 11 games in a season, never won more than three games within the ACC. I mean, that the proof is in the pudding right there, you know. And it's not to discredit what he's built in in, in that time because he leaves with – 
you know, some solid freshmen on that roster to at least jumpstart, you know, and then you look at sophomore Malia Johnson as well. Leantu King had a good year and she'll be back for one more year. So it's not like there's a complete devoid of talent here or a complete void of talent. Devoid is kind of a oxymoron word. Unless, you know, their new coach goes through the same thing that Capel went through where there's just, you know, or Stallings, even the the mass exodus that took place after Mm -hmm. that, you know, I think a lot of people forget these athletes aren't just committing to schools, they're committing to coaches. And when the coaches leave, there can be a pretty big upheaval. So Mm -hmm. wouldn't be shocked to see some some big changes out of the program. Which, and that's kind of normal. I know the with the transfer portal, the way it throws a wrench into things now, but before the quote-unquote transfer portal and the, you know, the immediate eligibility rules that come along with it, this was a common thing for any coaching change, for any school that went through this, you know, players would transfer out because the coach changes. That was kind of the genesis of, you know, why this is a thing. But when it comes to Pitt, you know, you look at Malia Johnson as a building block. You look at Marley Washington as a building block. You look at Avery uh, Strickland, I almost said Avery Johnson, like it's, you know, the co- the <laughs> longtime coach combining Malia Johnson and uh, Avery Strickland, but Avery Strickland as a, as a building block as freshman, um, Ainsley Mal- Malcolm is another one. So they have pieces to go forward with, which is a good start. That's more than, you know, a lot of losing programs can actually say when a coach departs. Is there something here to actually build a foundation upon? It's a tough gig though, man. It really is. The ACC is a hard league to win in, in women's basketball. It's a really hard league. I mean, just look at the, ACC women's semifinal between Notre Dame and Louisville. Louisville pounded Notre Dame, and Notre Dame was really damn good. Really yeah. damn good basketball team, ranked basketball team. Louisville floored them in the ACC tournament. That's how that's how incredibly big this league is in women's hoops. So, look, I, I think that when it comes to this job and this opening, obviously you're going to be working for whoever it may be, is going to be working for Heather Like, who is a forward-thinking athletic director, who has not every, but nearly every program at this university churning in the positive direction. This is the first hire that Heather Like made. I want to stress this. This is the first hire that Heather Like made in which she also fired that coach. So this right. is Heather Like cutting a loss. This is Heather Like, you know, handpicked. Now, given the door, shown the door by her. So what does she do with this next? Where, how does she assess the program? How does she feel the program is trending? And maybe what does it need from a cultural standpoint? I don't even know if it was a bad culture per se, minus the one thing that Johnson said after. So I was at Pitt's last home game against Syracuse. This would have been a week ago from Thursday as we record this. And they lost by 30. I mean, it was it was miserable from a pit standpoint. Right. And Johnson said it out loud after the game. The team gave up. The team gave up on the season. They gave up on trying. They gave up on the game. They gave up on just everything. And she said this while Lance White was sitting to her left, directly to her left. And he just had this kind of blank look on his face like like it was kind of out of his control at that point. <laughs> and, and it's not in a vicious or a malicious way, but it's more like uh yeah, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, quite frankly. Well, you also mentioned his overall record 
writing on the wall is is a thing yeah. in sports. He knew what was coming, I'm sure. Oh, you have to win. I, at bottom line, you have to win. When you win three, when you can't win more than three games in your league, and I'm not, you know, I, again, the ACC is as as hard as it gets for women's hoops. It just is. But, well, I'm anxious to see which ACC team she steals our new coach from because that seems to be her MO. She's she's yeah. real good at scouting the ACC. And, you know, I think she's one of the few ADs that we've had here at Pitt that seems to recognize your best farm for talent when it comes to coaching is the, the other people that know how to win in that league already. And, and I love that she takes that approach. So let's see how that continues. And hopefully the women's hoop team gets to turn around a little bit. And Any closing shots from you today, brother? Well, let's not forget to like also spent time at Ohio state and Cincinnati. So, you know, Eastern Michigan, she's obviously a Michigan alum. So maybe she looks to the Midwest. Maybe she looks to the big 10 or another, another conference in the Midwest. So maybe she looks there also for a little guidance on, on the women's job. Um, Look, the, my final thought, if I had one, is is I know this week in Pitt men's hoops was not great, but it's still really cool that they're here. Obviously, nobody thought they would be in a realistic sense at the beginning of the year, and it's cool Go to have back that and listen to our first podcast. Oh, we certainly gosh. didn't think they would be here. No, uh, we were miserable <laughs> on it, weren't we? We were like, yes. "Oh no, we have to talk about this." Um. But the fact that they're here, it's cool that we're growing expectations. I think that's the number one like best thing about all, this whole run is we're growing expectations for the program in the short term and the long term. Because right. if, if we were here and let's say the men's team had the women's team's record, like a lot of people thought they would or something close to it, you know, let's say the records were flipped and Pitt was, you know, a 10 and 20 and then what is it? Six and 14 within the ACC. We'd be talking about Jeff Capel potentially getting fired and we'd be talking about, you know, what's next for the program and maybe who's transferring out and is the ship sinking. But we're on the direct opposite end of that spectrum and it's really cool that we are. And Jeff Capel should be the ACC coach of the year. I think Jamarius Burton should be first team all ACC. I think Nike Sabandi should be your sixth man of the year. It's just been a really impressive turnaround to enjoy. And I guess right now at this point, Pitt's playing with house money a bit, which is kind of cool to say too. You know, again, with, yeah. with the lack of the expectation to start the year for the outsiders, you know, just enjoy it for now. I'm enjoying it. I hope you guys are, too. All right. If nothing else, pretty soon that theme song we started this whole thing with way back when mm-hmm. that it's going to be real. Yeah. We're going to be watching actual tournament games. I can't wait. So without anything else to add this week, H2P.